I was thinking as we were watching the kids uh, perform, I was thinking, <laughs> uh, one of them is that you should always have your phone ready because you never know what your kids are going to do, uh, right? I mean, that's the best part. I also think it'd be fun if the adults would also perhaps fight with each other when they do their Christmas productions. Um, I just, I feel like it would be, I don't know, it would be an extra touch. <laughs> it would be something special. Uh, sorry, I'm not used to having to hold this, but uh, anyway. Uh, that, was, that was fantastic. If you get a chance um, on the way out today, if you see Allie, if you see the kids, be sure to give them a high five. Let them know they did a great job. It's always, it's always fun, and I know that we look at it and we're like, that's so cute. And it is cute, but man, the message is, is spot on uh, as to what Christmas is truly about. And so I honor that as well. If you want to open your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 uh, as we talk today about love. If you missed last week's uh, message, I'm sorry, if you missed last week's performance last Sunday night, uh, man, you missed a, a really, truly wonderful time of music, uh, a, a really wonderful story of what love is really supposed to look like. And, and I don't know if you realized it before last Sunday night, but if you are here last Sunday night, you saw that we have some really incredible talent here. Amen? Amen? I mean, I, uh, and, and one of those talents is our very own Letty. Letty, where'd you go hide? Over here. Guys, give Letty a big round of applause. I... <clears throat> I uh, have heard Letty sing for years. I don't know that I've seen Letty basically carry the entire show. Uh, monologues, lines. Letty, you did a fantastic job. Uh, Letty's character, I may get it slightly wrong, but just pretend like I'm right. But Letty's character in this show, in the production, was a woman that, that was now homeless, but she'd been a famous singer in her past. And... Uh, and her character, it really kind of carried the entire narrative. It's really hard for me to focus right now, Chris. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I love the beard ornaments. And uh, Chris, come here real quick, buddy. I got I to. Gotta, I gotta, come here. Come on. Come on up. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Come on. Are they all lit? Can you turn them all on? I, well, you just turned one off. Come on. I want to make sure that one's off. This one's, turn that one on. Oh, you just lost this one. Come on up here. Come on up here. I don't want anybody to not see this. You guys see this? If this was a contest, you won. All right? What do I get? Uh, this right here. Yeah, good job, buddy. I had to, yeah. Anyway, that's fantastic. So uh, last Sunday night, Letty, I, I looked over there, and I see this face blinking. Uh, uh, Letty's character, she carried it. She kind of had was the narrative that went throughout the whole story. And there was something that she said that really resonated with me at one particular point in the story. And there was a scene where the, the stories, the characters are talking about the night that Jesus was born. And, and Letty's character pointed out that our image of that night, and you probably know what I'm talking about, it's a very picturesque image. Um, you know, Mary and Joseph. Uh, there around the manger, and there's baby Jesus. He's got his own personal spotlight, and uh, there's a clean, clean animals, donkey, cow. They're all perfectly behaving, no fecal matter anywhere. 
Um, there's some guy playing his flute, and it's great. Uh, everybody's standing by, and they're looking down just adoringly at this perfectly beautiful newborn baby. And it's a beautiful scene, and one that we really do love to, you know, kind of memorialize during this season. But Lady's character pointed out that it's grossly inaccurate. <laughs> um, if you've ever been in a room where a baby was born, this is not it. Um, or if you've ever been in a barn where animals live, this is also not it. Uh, it doesn't make it any less beautiful. It doesn't make it any, any less worthy of being remembered. But there's also great value in our recognizing and acknowledging a picture that's a little more accurate. Um, it was messy. It had to be messy. Uh, having a baby is messy. Animals are messy. And if Mary's pregnancy was anything like the average pregnancy, I am guessing that she was not craving some random people just showing up or a donkey snorting her in her ear. And I am, I am firmly positive, we've done this five times now, I am, I am very positive that she would not have wanted a drum solo. But some, well, I'm, I'm pretty confident, Mike. <laughs> pretty confident. Sometimes we think more of ourselves than we should. I don't. <clears throat> You're good and everything, but my word. I just... <laughs> but sometimes our familiarity with this story actually ends up sanitizing it. And we unintentionally remove the messy humanity from it all. We also sometimes sanitize the messy family dynamic that Jesus was born into. Look with me here at Matthew chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 18. Look what it says. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place... While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, Matthew's telling of this story is pretty clear. Uh, Mary and Joseph were essentially engaged which meant a whole lot more in those days than it does in our own. And while they were engaged, Mary became pregnant. 
the cultural implications of Mary's pregnancy were huge. Unlike today, where it's actually not too uncommon to have a child outside of wedlock in those days, it was not just uncommon to have a child out of wedlock, it was a punishable offense. A woman who became pregnant out of wedlock could be stoned, and breaking the engagement meant more than just having to cancel the caterer. It meant going through the process of a divorce. You see, Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed to one another. This means that Joseph would have probably already begun building their home. He would have been preparing a place for them to start their family. Monies would have been exchanged between the families. All the preparations for their marriage and the celebration would have been in full swing. And you don't just stop those things. There were to be consequences. Mary would not have been living with Joseph, but for all essential purposes, Mary and Joseph were married. And in that, they were expected to live with the fidelity of a married couple. This means that unfaithfulness on either one's part was a serious, serious issue. Mary would have been viewed by the entire community as having been unfaithful. And they would have no other, they would have no reason to think otherwise. There was no frame of reference for them to even begin to understand the Holy Spirit's involvement in this. Because even in their history, when women had had miraculous pregnancies, like Sarah or Hannah that we read about in the Hebrew, script, Hebrew scriptures, scriptures, pardon me, the husbands were still a part of the picture. They were still involved. So there was no way for them to even conceive of what was happening here. So to say that this was a mess is putting it lightly. This was a significant cultural problem for Mary and for Joseph. Now, we don't know for sure exactly how Joseph found out. I mean, Mary could have told him. Perhaps he found out about it through gossip on the street. But what we do know is that when it happened, his first feelings were, the, were that Mary must have been unfaithful to him. And this would have been devastating to him because he was here working to prepare their new home, and then he gets this news. But you also notice, as Matthew tells the story there, that he points out that Joseph was a righteous man. And while Joseph had decided in his mind that he was going to break the engagement, he was going to divorce her, that he decided he was going to do this quietly. He was choosing a compassionate route so that Mary would not suffer, that she would not be mistreated. Now, if we were to take this story and transplant it to 2022, we would still stand back and say, that is a messy situation. And it would be. But I want you to understand that it was into that mess that God spoke. See, the scripture tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph as he was pondering what to do in this mess. And he tells Joseph, don't be afraid. He tells Joseph that his child, that the child that Mary is carrying was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that Mary was not unfaithful to him. And we know that must have been enough for Joseph because Matthew tells us a couple of verses later that Joseph went ahead and he decided to take Mary as his wife. And I, I want to be careful not to gloss over that part either because Mary was pregnant. 
The assumption would have been from their friends and from their family and from the community that Mary and Joseph had broken their marriage vows. They had broken the covenant of their betrothal. They had been sexually involved before they were actually married. And this would have brought huge shame on them. But Joseph, who chose to be obedient to the Lord, took that on. I think it's easy for us thousands of years removed to look at the story and we just see it through a much simpler lens. We just see the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph. We just see the the picturesque manger scene. We just hear the sweet tune, away in a manger, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head, no crying he made. And we forget or we just entirely miss that this whole situation was one big, giant mess. And it was into that mess that Jesus came. I've been pastoring for a while, and in some capacity or another now, one of the things that I hear often enough is something like this. My life is too messed up for anyone even God, to deal with. I'm too far gone. I'm such a mess. My life is a mess. Everything about me is just a mess. And you know what? Your life may very well be a big, giant mess. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe your story is not that much unlike Mary and Joseph's story. Or maybe it has its own flavor involving any number of other things, maybe past or current failures, broken marriages, addiction, financial loss, depression. It could be any number of things, a big mess. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you like some might do that in order to fix those things, you just need to let Jesus in. Because some of you need counselors and therapy. Let me rephrase that. Some of us need counselors and therapy. Some of us need medication and rehab. Some of us need someone else to manage our checking accounts or to teach us how to manage our checking accounts. And some of us just need a break. But What all of those people need, what all of us need for sure, is Jesus. Regardless of your mess, you still need Jesus. What's so incredible about this story of Jesus' birth is not the angels or the shepherds or the manger or any of those things. What's so incredible about Jesus' birth is that the one who would become the Savior for all of humankind came directly into a huge mess of a situation from a family tree that was tainted by women who were involved in incest and prostitution and men who were involved in adultery and rape. And he came because of God's unfailing and relentless love for you and for me. See, the love of God does not run from your brokenness. The love of God runs right into your brokenness. That's what we see in the story of Jesus' birth. He ran right into the midst of that mess. 
We see the love of God sent in the form of His only Son straight into not only the mess that was Jesus' own family, but into your mess and into my mess. The love of God is not turned away because of the messiness of your life and your situation. The love of God is drawn to it because the love that God has for each one of us is dead set on restoring the things that are broken. The Apostle Peter writes in one of his letters this very important reminder for us. He says, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Guys, listen, your situation is not too much for God. Your situation is never too much for God. Now, there may very well be some consequences. There may be some repercussions for the things we have done, the decisions we have made, the paths we have chosen, but your mess is never too big for God. Because God in His grace, He will restore you. And He'll make you strong. He'll make you firm and steadfast. This is just such an incredible demonstration of His love. No distance will keep God from traveling to you to show you His love. And there's a very important part to this, another very important part to this. And for the past few weeks, we, weeks we've been talking about being the people of Advent. And we live in expectation as we reside in this already not yet kingdom of God. I saw this great quote the other day. It said that being a Christian should essentially mean that I'm partnering with Christ to replicate the life of Christ in my own life, not I'm going to heaven when I die. Some of us need to read that again. Being a Christian should essentially mean that I am partnering with Christ to replicate the life of Christ in my own life, not I'm going to heaven when I die. To that I say, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Because this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a people of the Advent who reside in the present kingdom of God with hope and with peace and with joy and with love. And it must be a Christ-like kind of love that is willing to step into the messiness of other people's lives simply because you love them like Christ loves them. The very familiar Bible verse says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen to me this morning. It is through his love for each one of us that this salvation that John's gospel talks about is realized. That's how it happens. And it is through the love that we have for one another that Jesus is seen. I don't know that there's anything much harder than stepping into somebody else's mess. There's nothing much harder than stepping into someone else's mess, but I also don't know that there's anything more redemptive and more compassionate than being willing to lay down your own pride and your selfishness in order to do so. 
to be people who are forgiven and redeemed and living as citizens of the present kingdom of God also means to be a people of hope, peace, joy, and love. And each one of these things are inextricably wound together in the character of a true people of the Advent because they are necessary characteristics of those who have experienced the redeeming love of God who would give everything, including His only Son, so that you and I could be forgiven. It doesn't matter how messy your mess is or how messy someone else's mess is because God sent His Son into that mess too. As we draw close to the end of our season of Advent, we prepare to light our final Christ candle here in just a few evenings, marking for us the birth of Jesus who came not only into the mess that was his own family situation, but came into my mess and came into your mess. Let's not forget that it was love that brought him to that place. And it's love that draws him to us still today. And as a people of the Advent, it's love that draws us into the messes of other people's lives so that we can replicate the life of Christ. We are not Christians just so that we can die and go to heaven. We are Christians because Christ came into the mess of our humanity. He offered himself as a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He rose from the dead and he promises to return again. And in the meantime, we replicate his love to all as Christians and as people of the Advent. That kind of a a way of living is available to anyone who believes in their heart, confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and chooses to live an obedient and replicating life in Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of Christmas for everyone. The love of God, it can't be fully understood. It can't be fully explained. But it's a love that continually calls us and draws us in. And it's through this abundant and going before us grace of God that we are able to see and experience this incredible love, even when we have become unlovable in our own eyes. I think that sometimes we begin to feel unlovable in our own eyes because of the things we have done, the things we have said, the things we have thought. And we listen to this lie that the enemy tells us that says, you are not worthy, you have no value, you are not redeemable, you are a lost cause. And I want you to hear me this morning when I tell you that in God's economy, no cause is lost. Nothing is worth, nothing is unworthy of redemption. And this is why Jesus came to step into the mess that was his own family, but even more to step into the mess of your life. Regardless of where you find yourself, regardless of what you're carrying, regardless of where you have been, Jesus Christ steps into the middle of that with his love and offers to you redemption and forgiveness.
And so for each one of us this morning, the conviction that you may feel in your heart as the Holy Spirit speaks maybe to one of beginning to love like Jesus has loved. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you are somebody that has experienced this redeeming love of Christ, but your life has failed to replicate Christ. Maybe you, have, maybe you would say this morning, I've been a Christian for most of my life, but most of your life has been primarily focused on dying and going to heaven. And maybe this morning you're hearing a voice of conviction saying, hold on a second, my life has, was supposed to be about replicating the life of Christ in me. Maybe you're hearing for the first time today about this love of God that steps right into the mess of whatever it is that's going on in your life. By the way, when Jesus stepped into the mess of his family, everything didn't get magically better. But forgiveness became an option. Redemption became available. No matter what God's saying to you this morning, we're going to sing in a moment. And I'm going to invite you to respond by coming to these altars here and placing yourself, your mess, <laughs> your reality into the hands of a loving God who just wants to deal with your mess. The funny thing is, is that we all have a mess. This last week, I was, uh, had to work from home for a couple different days for different reasons. And I had somebody that had popped into the office to see me one morning. And when I had told them to do that, I did not anticipate being gone. And, um, and so I said, we'll just come on by the house. And so uh, I knew they were coming by the house, so I frantically cleaned. <laughs> and I cleaned up the living room, and I started a fire, and I turned on the diffusers, and my house smelled like a winter wonderland. There was nothing on the dining room table, and the kitchen counters were clean, and all the pillows were fluffed, and I sat there, and I, in my winter cap, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they came in, and, and uh, the wife, she said, I'm just amazed at how clean your house is right now. And I said, well, you know, this is how we live. <laughs> and and uh, I didn't say that. But then a few minutes later, I confessed right on the spot. But then a few minutes later, her children and one of my children proceeded to go to the other side of the house where we have what we call the music room in our dining room over there. And uh, <laughs> it was Zeke. Zeke opened the door, and I heard them go in there, and I said, oh, it's Macria. I said, Macria, just so you know, that's where the dark stuff hides. That's, that's where everything else ended up today. I didn't anticipate you going over there. Guys, everybody has a mess. Some of us are just really good at hiding it. Sometimes we don't see our own mess because we're so accustomed to living in it. But did you know that other people can see your mess? Did you know that God can see your mess? And it's 
it's not enough to keep him from loving you. It's not. And we have to be the same. I'm not talking about the mess in your house, although that's a good place to start. Like, wouldn't it be great if we just didn't care about their, like, yeah, I mean, some of y'all don't care. I wasn't raised that way. Uh, I was raised in a PK. My dad was a pastor, and the house was always had to be exactly perfect, and it was so fake. But, like, <laughs> that got ingrained in me, right? And those of you who are pretty close to us, you know what happens if you pop into our house just randomly unannounced. You don't get past the front door. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's like, yeah, so here's the reality. That's my mess. But when we love each other, we see past that. We see past that mess. We see past the depression. We see past the addiction, the hurt, the pain, the anger. We see past the brokenness in our homes and our marriages. We see past the financial struggles. We see past all of those things because we love. And that's how we replicate the love of Christ in us to others. Because that's how Christ loves us. He sees past all that mess. So if you're wrestling with that today as we sing here in just a moment, I invite you to come to these altars. Leave your mess. Leave your reality right here. Let God deal with it. And let's just see what he's ready to do in our lives. He's ready to receive your mess if you're willing to give it up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, unfailing love, unmatched love. God, I pray that we would be a people who seek to love the way you have loved us abundantly without failing and looking past the imperfections of those who are around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.